Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you.
I like it when the psalmist said, oh, come and magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Good morning, Salem, and welcome to worship. We invite you to stand as we begin our worship experience, and what a fantastic day it is to be in the house of the Lord and to worship his magnificent and holy name. Amen. Amen. The scripture for this morning comes out of the 95th Psalms, and it reads as follows. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. In his hands he formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let us go before the Lord together in prayer. Eternal Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, another moment, another day to worship your magnificent and holy name. We uh, lift up our time together with you today, Lord. We thank you to, for the ability to corporately worship and praise your most majestic and holy name. Bless our time together. We ask that you be glorified. And we pray all these things in the matchless and most blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord. Our morning hymn is Blessed Quietness. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. Let's sing this great hymn of the church. Joy.
give the Lord a praise in this place. Come on, we come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, he deserves all of our praise. Come on, clap your hands, church. Everybody together, come on, let's say, say we worship you. 
unconditionally. He loves us in spite of what we do. Come on, he remains faithful. For great is the Lord's faithfulness unto us. Come on and lift the praise in this room in your own way. Nobody knows what the Lord has done for you but you. Come on and express your love for the King. Amen, amen, amen. We certainly give the Lord all the glory, the honor, and our worship. Amen. The Bible tells us that the Lord loved us so much that he came down. He died on the cross for our sins, and he imputed to us his righteousness by faith. But not only that, the Bible tells us that he serves as our high priest that gives us direct access to the Lord. Family, it's prayer time. In Hebrews 4, chapter 16, we read this. Because Jesus is our high priest, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Amen. Friends and family, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for prayer, let us remember those involved in the victims of the mass shooting that just happened in Baltimore. Just more and more violence. Let us remember Independence Day and all the celebrations surrounding that. Let us keep in our hearts and our minds the Supreme Court rulings that affect our lives and the lives of our children. Amen. Let us remember those hospitalized, Brother Terrell Brewer. Let us remember those who solicited our prayers, Mother Juanita Cross, Sister Betty Hughes, Sister Dolores Jackson, Sister Pauline Smith, Dr. DJ Moore, Brother James Smith, Brother Lawrence Wallington, Reverend Vizetter Slim Whitaker. Let's go before the Lord and the throne of grace together. Lord, hallelujah. You are awesome. You are excellent. 
You are deserving of all of our worship and all of our praise. You are omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipotent. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Ancient of Days. You are the beginner, the author, and the finisher of our faith. The Prince of Peace. The Rock of Gibraltar. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi. Lord, we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. You are our stronghold, our refuge, our strength. You are our peace. You are our gift of salvation. You are love. You are our joy. You are the righteous one. And Lord, we just love you and we thank you and we adore you because you are so deserving of our worship. You stood before nothing and created the universe. When there was nothing else here but you, you spoke everything into existence. You live outside of time, yet you loved us so much that you stepped in the time and the space on our behalf just simply because you loved us. Lord, we love you simply because you first loved us. We thank you for being holy and righteous and just. But Lord, we thank you so much that even though we're not holy and righteous and just, you loved us so much that you gave us your holiness, your righteousness, your justice through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we lift you up today. We magnify your name. We come before you expressing the fact, Lord, that we are unworthy. We are so unworthy, Lord, full of sin. Lord, if your direction is right by nature, we walk left. But you still love us. The Bible says while you were yet enemies, Christ died for us. While we didn't know you, you loved us and you called us according to your holy and righteous name. You died on the cross for our sins and you rose up from that grave, defeating death with all power in your hands. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your truth, your salvation. We thank you that no matter what we go through in this world, Lord, we just got to trust in you as our great physician. No matter what we experience in this world, we know that you are the great physician, that you have overcome the world. So there's nothing, no weapon formed against us that can prosper. Nothing that comes against us that can win because we have you in victory in Jesus Christ. So we praise your name each and every day. On Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Every single day, Lord, we worship you because you are so deserving of our worship. We can do nothing without you. Lord, we can't live without you. We can't breathe without you. We can't wake up without you. And so, Lord, we thank you. We need you. And so, Lord, we ask that you just continue to pour out your Holy Spirit. Continue to help us to experience more of you, to realize the righteousness and the truth that we have in you. Realize the strength that we have in you. Lord, as we celebrate Independence Day this week, help us to celebrate the independence and the freedom that is in you. That we are free from the penalty of our sins. That we are being freed from the power of our sins. And one day in the future and glory, we will be free from the total presence of sin and your presence with the angelic host singing holy, 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 and praising your name morning, noon, and night. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We look forward to that day. But Lord, while we live here on earth, help us to keep our minds stayed on Christ Jesus, to keep our minds stayed on you, to realize that we have been blessed 
with all possible blessings in heavenly places, that we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, that we've received everything we need to live a holy and righteous life in you, that we are rooted and established in you. Lord, continue to give us your peace, your comfort, your joy that doesn't come from any circumstance on this earth, but simply comes from being in you. So Lord, we thank you this morning. We ask that you would bless all those that are sick, all those that are shut in, all those that are experiencing hurt, all those that are experiencing loss, all those that need you and crying out for you, Lord. We ask that you would be nearby, that you would be imminent, that you would share with them your peace, your joy, your love, your comfort, your strength, and that you would allow your church, your ecclesia, your called out ones to be instruments of your glory to impute that sort of grace and peace and comfort and joy. Help us to mourn with them as they mourn. Help us to rejoice with them as they rejoice. Help us to be by their side. Lord, we also pray that you allow this church to be an instrument of your glory and of your peace in this fallen world, that you would use us to spread your gospel, the good news, with the gospel of peace fitted around our feet, with the helmet of salvation, with the sword of the spirits with the breastplate of faith. Lord, give us the strength that we need to go out there and live for you each and every day, Lord. We thank you. We magnify. We bless your holy and righteous name. Lord, we lift up the moment of preaching that you would be with our senior pastor, that you would give us a word like you always do from him, that you would continue to be with him and strengthen him as he leads the historic Salem Baptist Church. Bless us and prepare our hearts for the word that we're going to hear just from you this morning. Help us to receive it and grow in you. And Lord, bless us as we continue in this worship service, as we continue to lift up our voices, our hands, and our spirits to magnify and glorify you. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time. We praise God, praise God for each and every one of you who are in the sanctuary of the Salem Church and those who are in the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church who joined us in worship on today. What a blessed and blessed privilege it is to be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We want to take a moment if we have any guests that are worshiping with us on today. The one who's visiting with us in worship, we're going to ask you to stand, not going to ask you to say anything or do anything, but if you are a guest in worship on today, amen, we praise God for each and every one of you who come to worship with us on today here at the Salem Baptist Church. We thank you for coming. We are the better because of your presence on today. We pray and plead that this would not be your last time to worship with us here at the Salem Baptist Church. Very quickly, <clears throat> our pastor's honor roll is quickly approaching. It will be um, moved. It has been moved from June 11th to Sunday, July 23rd. Please, please get us your information for uh, honor roll as quickly as possible. We want to make sure that you are your student or your student uh, included in that. And so, please get us that information to the Education Council as quickly as possible. Uh, a week from tomorrow, we will be beginning our Vacation Bible School in person for the first time in three years. Amen. Amen. 
10th through Friday, July 14th, 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Again, please come and join us. We're still looking for volunteers and teachers. Please see Sister Marsha Hall at the Vacation Bible School table after worship uh, as you exit worship. Again, as you can see, we have started our Christian Casual Covered Sundays through the month of August. Amen. And my note says, please keep the casual Christian and covered each Sunday. Amen. And so we are going to be able to do that for the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months. And for those who say that you can't come to Salem because you have to have a hat on and dressed up, tell them at least not now. Amen. Break down that barrier. Break down that excuse. Amen. Again, we will be celebrating uh, Independence Day, 4th of July. The office will reopen on Wednesday. And I am forgetting something on this Sunday because of the holiday. Uh, we will be celebrating uh, communion and Lord's Supper on next Sunday. And so our deacons will be in place from uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. to receive for you to receive your elements if you are not joining us in person in worship. Amen. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it'll come back to me at some point. Amen. I did remember it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Salem, it is giving time. More blessed to give than to receive. The reason it is more blessed to give than it is to receive is because we have something to give. Listen to the word as it speaks to this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Listen as Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, where he says this, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And listen as Paul quotes the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Consider the awesome scope of the Lord's gift to you. Everything you need for life. And you receive it through your knowledge of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as he became poor so that you might be enriched. What are you to do with his gift to you? The wise person will recognize that since he or she was so freely given the gift, he or she must likewise be liberal and generous in their giving. But the question may arise, when you give, doesn't that mean there is less for you? Absolutely not. Amazingly, the more you give, the more you receive, and the more you have to give. You certainly feel happy and blessed when someone gives you a gift, I'm sure. 
You're blessed as the recipient of a gift, but Jesus taught that a greater blessing goes to the giver of the gift. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? The answer should be obvious to us on today. When we give, it's because we're blessed and therefore have something to give which brings us even greater blessings. Giving brings blessings to us and we, in turn, are blessed when we bless others. And so the blessing cycle continues. The more you give, the more you are blessed in receiving so you can bless others, and so on, and so on, and so on. I pray you get the picture and the principle. And as you prepare to give on today, repeat this in your heart. I believe that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. As I give my offering, I boldly declare that because I am so abundantly blessed of you, O Lord, today I freely give and bless others. Amen. Amen. We praise God for the privilege to give. For those who are in the virtual sanctuary and our ministry partners all across the country, we continue to invite you to share in the giving, your giving, uh, to bless the ministry here at the Salem Baptist Church. We believe that you are planting good seed in good soil. You can mail your tithe and offering here to the church. You can come by the office from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can give through our website at salembc.org, through PayPal, Givelify, Venmo, Cash App, and you can text to give. And for those who are in the sanctuary, you may give as you exit worship on today. There will be persons in place to receive your tithe and your offering. We share this affirmation. It is an affirmation of what we believe about giving here at the Salem Baptist Church. We plant good seed in good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. We plant good seed in good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. If you believe it, put your hands together and praise the Lord. We're going to ask our music and fine arts ministry to come at this time and lead us further in worship.
Anybody putting it all in the hands of Jesus? Just tell your neighbor, go to sleep tonight because you're putting it in the hands. Ah, put it all in his hands. Stand now, reverence to the Word of God, and turn with us to a section of Scripture that has become a very familiar passage of Scripture over the course of these last six months. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Beginning in verse 2, very familiar passage of Scripture. The Word of God reads Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God has given me. He has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, beside the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, rose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All who were around him encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The Lord's word is talk today for a few minutes by the help of God 
Holy Spirit from this simple subject, reasons to return. Reasons to return. And last week's sermonic moment, we visited Ezra chapter 1. And in that sermon, the idea of the second exodus of the children of Israel was highlighted. That idea of the second exodus being based on the similarities of the first exodus of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 12, from Egyptian slavery, oppression, and subjugation, being enriched, prospered, and increased in wealth by the very nation and people that had enslaved and oppressed them. Exodus chapter 12 reminds us the Egyptians, as they encouraged the children of Israel to leave their country, provided articles of silver, gold, and clothing. And as the children of Israel left Egypt on their way to the promised land of Israel. Now, Salem and all who are watching or listening, <clears throat> I, I need you to excuse me on today. Because I have not fully spiritually matured. And yes, the Lord is working on me. <laughs> because there's something in Exodus chapter 12 verses 35 and 36 that calls my spiritual immaturity to rise to the surface. I want y'all to know I'm praying about it. And I need you to pray about it and pray with me about it. Now, I need you to listen to those verses. Then I'll explain my struggle with my spiritual immaturity as it relates to the Lord working on behalf of his children and as it relates to the enemies of his children. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. It says, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians last phrase of Exodus chapter 12 verse 36 utilizes the word plunder. Now one of the first definitions of the Hebrew word that's translated plunder found in the enhanced Strong's lexicon is this. To snatch away. To snatch Now, y'all have to pray for the preacher, pastor, and my spiritual growth because you just have to admit that's how the Lord works at times. Like a toddler at toy time at the daycare, the Lord looks at the enemies of his people and says, as Bill Cosby would say, mine, mine, mine. He plunders. 
He snatches away from those who have hurt you, harmed you, hated on you, and tried to hinder you just like he did in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord seems to say, since you've stepped on my people, slighted my people, scorned and uh, and shunned my people, since you've mistreated my people, misused my people, and mishandled my people, I'm going to snatch away what you've gained by their way of labor, toil, and drudgery, and I'm going to make you give it to my people. Mm. He says, I'm going to make you give it to my people on the way to their promised land. And I know I need to move on from this, because I know that's not how the Lord wants me to act or think. That's sometimes how the Lord works. He snatches away from those who've done the denigrating and the degrading and puts prosperity in the hands of those who have been denigrated and degraded. As I said on last Sunday, there are those who are living witnesses that the Lord will snatch away power, prestige, and prosperity from those that seek to win and become wealthy at the welfare and expense of others and place it in the hands of those who love him, trust him, and follow him. Now, I know, Salem, y'all tired of this, and I shouldn't spend this much time on this, but I need to remind someone listening or watching on today that the Lord is ultimately in control. The Lord has the last say. Just like in that first exodus when the Lord snatched away the riches of the Egyptians to prosper the children of Israel, he can still work like that on today. And the truth is, the word of the Lord remains true and reminds us that uh, he is in proprietary possession of all that there is. Listen to Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness and the world and those who dwell Therein, Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner or the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Psalm 37, 1 through 4 says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also and the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. All I'm trying to tell you is that the Lord is in in control and he can deny his low down enemies 
and give the come up, as they would say, to his children. Some of the more seasoned saints of the past would say, the Lord don't like ugly. And he's not too fond of the cute, the pretty, the proud, the pompous, and the pretentious. Okay, I made that last part up. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive all these folk who said amen to what I just said. The Lord can snatch back what others have tried to keep away from his people. And the Lord don't like ugly. That's a reminder to the ugly and the evil that was revealed on Thursday, June 29, 2023. When decades of legal precedent and decades of benefit to the offspring and progeny of African slaves through affirmative action was struck down and dismantled by a group of so-called justices so-called justices that have been put in place by a twice impeached, multiply indicted, and some would say insane former president. And the ugly was especially evident in that a black man that benefited, benefited from affirmative action whose memory has been whitewashed and wiped away, wrote a concurring opinion in support of stripping away hard-earned opportunities for black folks. Opportunities that were earned through the blood, sweat, and tears of their and his ancestors. The child of God don't give up hope. Just as the Lord snatched away the prosperity of the Egyptians, he's going to allow your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to walk across those commencement stages at Harvard and the University of North Carolina and universities all across this country and politely plunder and snatch away those degrees that were tried to be kept from them and walk with pride and through their, their stride declare you can strike down affirmative action but the Lord will make a way somehow. The Lord will make a way out of no way. Y'all gonna have to pray for me. Because the Lord will step in. All right. As I was saying, we saw in that first Exodus in Exodus chapter 12, the Lord provided for the children of Israel by Wondering, snatching away the riches of the Egyptians and using it to prosper his people as they made their way to the promised land. And in this second exodus in Ezra chapter 1, he does not use the enemy to underwrite this divine undertaking, and yet he does provide and pr prosper those who will rebuild the temple, the city of Jerusalem, and the southern kingdom of Judah. 
does this through the procured prosperity of others. Now I need to read verses 2 through 6 of Ezra chapter 1 one more time to undergird the points of emphasis I want to raise on today because there are two groups of people that need to be highlighted in those verses and one memorable act that must be recognized in verses 7 through 11 on today and next week, so you're, or the week after next. Y'all know what I'm going to be preaching. Uh, listen again to Ezra chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. It says, Thus Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven, has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is uh, which is in Judah and uh, build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and whoever is left in any place where he dwells let the men of his place help him with silver and gold with goods and livestock besides the free will offerings of the house of God which is in Jerusalem then the heads of the fathers houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and all those who are around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold with goods and livestock and with precious things besides all that was willingly now in that section of scripture, two groups that must be highlighted, one on this week and one the next time I preach. And in the following verses, you will see a memorable act that must be recognized. And the first group that must be highlighted will be the group of the willing returnees. The willing returnees. Now the Lord through his power and provision King Cyrus, by his regal permission and decree, are setting up those who had been in exile to return to Jerusalem in Judah. And clearly there are those that are more than willing to return. They are exuberant, excited, elated, and surely emotionally enthusiastic about their return. The question would naturally arise, both at the time of the text and as we read this sacred scripture hundreds of years later, why are there those who've been in captivity for seven year, 70 years so willing to return to what they left in ruin and in rubble? Why would the Lord even open the door of opportunity to their return when the task would be so difficult and demanding. Why would there be a group that would return to a ransacked, raided, ravaged city with a temple that's been pillaged, pilfered, and profaned by a wicked king? Well, I want to suggest at least three reasons. There was a group of willing returnees that volunteered to return to Jerusalem. The first was to rebuild the temple. Y'all know I can read your mind and I read your spirit and you're thinking it and maybe even saying it out loud 
talking about for the last six months. Yeah, but that's part of the reason that they were willing to return. They were willing to return to rebuild the temple in light of a few things. First, it had been prophetically pronounced and proclaimed by divine revelation through the prophet Jeremiah. Second, it was accepted as a reason to return by at least a portion of the people in exile. And third, King Cyrus in his own decree in Ezra chapter 1 made clear that the rebuilding of the temple was one of his personal responsibilities since the Lord had given him in his own words all the kingdoms of the earth. So clearly what the people had heard from the prophet, believed in their hearts and received from King Cyrus was motivation for them to return to rebuild the temple. Yet you must remember for those who had been exiled, the temple was the representation of the presence of the Lord. It was the symbolic residence of the Lord. Surely we must take into account they had come to the recognition that the Lord was not limited to a building in Jerusalem because the Lord that ruled and reigned at the temple in Jerusalem also provided for and protected them in Babylonian exile. But the house of the Lord was more than earthly materials. It was more than silver and gold. It was more than the regal garments the priest wore during worship. It was more than the elaborate and ornate utensils used in worship and sacrifice and offering. The temple was earthly evidence that the Lord was real. It was earthly evidence that he reigned and the earth with all of its expanses was his footstool. It was bigger than the footprint and square footage of the building. It was the tangible testimony of the God of all eternity. Uh, he, it was evidence of the God that declared, I am that I am. God that was, is, and forevermore shall be who continue to rule and reign over his people. And to rebuild the temple was to emphasize to every enemy of the Lord, earthly wickedness will not win. Human advancement will not outmaneuver the Lord. And to remind the world as George Frederick Handel penned in his masterwork, the Messiah, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, and he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah! I'm simply trying to tell you they return to rebuild the temple to signify the strength, the sovereignty, and the dominion of the Lord. Those who prepared to return to Jerusalem could not idly stand by and 
See, the symbol of the sovereignty of the Lord God of heaven remain in rubble and ruins. They willingly and eagerly and enthusiastically returned to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem because it was symbolic of the presence and the power of Almighty God. So some folk may think that when Salem moved into this building at 3131 Lake Street in 2000, and when we paid off the debt in 2017, and in a few months and a few years when we get ready to do some other stuff around here, they may just think that it's bricks and mortar. But it is more than that. It is a representation of the God that we serve, and the God that we serve deserves the best. Putting you on notice, y'all. So the willing returnees also ret they return to rebuild the temple, but they return to resist the status quo. I'm glad y'all shouted earlier because this I'm not shouting stuff today. The status quo is the existing state of affairs, especially regarding social or political issues. It is the current situation, the way things are. And those who had been in Babylonian exile were desperate to change the status quo. They were desperate to change the way things were, and they were doggedly determined to assure their future was different for them, their faith, their families, and their faith. They accepted the challenges that they would confront, the difficulties they would experience, and the frustrations they would face. Yet all of that would be worth it to endure the journey that would change the course of the nation of Israel and reestablish the prominence and preeminence of their faith. They refused to accept the status quo. Child of God, I'm talking to you on today. You may be at a point in your life where comfort is your companion. You may be at a point in your life where ease is your ever-present escort. And yet the truth is, sometimes the status quo is not allowing you to fulfill your divinely designed destiny. Because, child of God, I want to let you know the Lord has better, greater, loftier, and grander designs for your future. And you have to decide you will not settle for the existing state of your life. You will resist the lure and enticement of the status quo. I know Johnson Oatman Jr. had spiritual aspirations in mind when he penned this hymn, yet it applies to the spiritual and physical aspects of our lives when he said this, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying I'm upward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. 
Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table and no higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And that's what those Babylonian exiles decided. I can't stay in Babylon. I cannot accept the status quo. In spite of the challenges, I'll move forward. And I'm talking to someone who's listening on today. I know it's good right now, but the Lord has greater. I know it's good right now, but the Lord has better. I know it's good right now, but the Lord has bigger. And you cannot settle for the status quo. And so, yes, they had reason to return to rebuild the temple, to resist the status quo, but to also raise a standard raise a standard. There are some very common definitions of the word standard, the level of quality or attainment, an idea used as a measure, something accepted as normal or average. And some of these definitions might relate to those who are willing to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Certainly when it refers to a quality or attainment or an idea used as a measure. And yet I want to suggest on today when I submit that those who are willing returnees were making the journey to Jerusalem, it was not as simple as those definitions. I am using the word standard as a term that has been used in biblical and world history that is useful in this point of emphasis on today. Brother Harkey, it is actually a military term and concept that I wish to apply to the narrative we observe today in Ezra chapter 1. The flags and banners of an army are called standards. You may have seen this in movies of ancient times or even displays of modern militaries, those banners, those flags, they're called standards. Uh, and they were not merely used for decoration. They served a seriously strategic purpose. You see, the very direction and actions of troops were dictated by the location of the standard. And following the movement of the standard bearer or the flag bearer, uh, uh, it was that which led those who were going to war. It was necessary for the standard or the flag to be held high. So those who were looking for, to it for direction and encouragement would be always able to look up and as a result, move forward in victory. In looking up to the standard, it was a rallying point. It was a point of encouragement. And always the troop would follow and look up to the standard. Well, I want to suggest that those who were willing to return to Jerusalem were insistent on raising a standard. 
Now you have to remember and understand the temple was located on what was called Mount Zion. One of the highest points in the city of Jerusalem. And even as you approach the city of Jerusalem, you were going up to the city. And as you approach the temple, you were going up to the temple. And so you always had your eyes looking up to the standard. And the standard was the temple. And it caused you to be encouraged. It was a point of rallying for those who were a part of the faithful. And those who were returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple decided, I will go through whatever it takes to get back to Jerusalem and raise a standard for those who would look up to the temple to be rallied behind the faith and encouraged by the faith. Oh, child of God, they decided they were going to return to Jerusalem to raise a standard at the temple to raise a standard at the Temple Mount, to raise a standard on Mount Zion. So everybody who was in Jerusalem would always be looking up to the temple, deciding that I'm going to be encouraged by the faith and the God that I serve. Oh, child of God, I'm done on today. Oh, thank God that they raised the temple or going to rebuild the temple to raise that standard. Something to look up to as a rallying point. Something to look up to for motivation and strength. Ah, oh, thank God that that temple was raising a standard. But child of God, I want to tell you, those of us who live in 2023, the temple is a good thing, was a good thing for them to look up to. But I want to tell you, for those of us who live on this side of the cross, our standard is not the temple. Our standard is that old rugged cross. We have something to look up to, something that encourages us, something that strengthens us, something that motivates us. We've got something to look up to. Oh, yes, and it reminds us that it is the simple symbol of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That Christ upon which Jesus died, it is our standard. Raised high on a hill called Calvary. It's something that we can look up to, child of God. And the songwriters throughout all the ages have spoke to us about that standard of the cross. Oh, thank God George Bernard was inspired to share these world with the wor words with the world about that great standard, the cross. He said, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown I'm telling you we ought to look up to the cross because it is our standard 
is what encourages us, is what strengthens us, it is what rallies us. Isaac Watts said these words, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon that tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. I'm telling you today you need to look up to the cross and I close by telling you Elisha Hoffman left these words he said down at the cross where my savior died down where from cleansing from sin I cried there to my heart was the blood applied glory glory to his name he goes on to say I am so wondrously saved from sin Jesus so sweetly abides within there at the cross where he took me in glory 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 to his name there to my heart was the blood applied glory 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 to his name do i have a witness is there anybody here will look up to the cross of calvary do i have a witness well, uh, I gotta leave y'all alone, uh, but I look to the cross. Uh, it strengthens me. Uh, it motivates me. Uh, it assures me. Uh, but I cannot, uh, Montague, uh, stay at the cross uh, because they took him down uh, from that old rugged cross. Uh, do I have a witness? Uh, the old preacher would say, uh, Jesus died on Calvary's cross from the sixth to the ninth hour. He hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. He died. I said he died to the earth rocked and reeled like a drunken man. He died until the moon hemorrhaged from heartbreak and went down in blood. He died. I said he died. But the story wasn't over on Calvary's cross because early, I said early, I said early Sunday morning he got up 
with all power in his hand. Is there anybody here who's glad today? He got up. I said he got up. He got up with all power in his hand. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hallelujah, the doors of the church open. The invitation is extended. Hallelujah. Thank God. We have that standard of the cross. We can look up to Calvary's cross. We have the blessed assurance the power of his resurrection hallelujah on today and even now as we extend the invitation as the doors of the Lord's church are open we extend the invitation there may be someone here today who's not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior not made your own declaration of faith this is your opportunity to make a step of faith and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10 reminds us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for the sins of the world, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can make that step of faith out into the aisles. Come forward. The deacons are waiting on you to give your life to him on this day. Or if you're saved, but for whatever reason, you're out of fellowship with a local church, this is your opportunity to make that step of faith and become a part of the Lord's church here at the Salem Baptist Church. Or if you're watching or listening, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to become a part of the Lord's church, give us a call here at 402-455-1000, option three. Someone is waiting to hear your voice. So we extend that invitation on today. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another hour. This is your chance, even as the music ministry leads us. Why don't you come? you're seated, even as you're seated. Amen, amen. My dear brother, brother Pryor comes today uh, to be a part of our church family. Amen. 
Amen. Comes as a candidate for baptism. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to let you know, my dear brother, that you are an answer to our prayers. We've been praying that the Lord would send persons our way to help us build an even greater church and to expand the kingdom of God. And you are an answer to our prayer. Listen, the Bible says heaven is rejoicing right now because you came to the Lord. And we are rejoicing as well. And all these good-looking folk out here, we're a part of your family, and now you are a part of ours. Come on, Salem, let's give them a rousing hand of welcome, and we praise God for you. Our deacons are going to take you out, give us some more, get some more information from you. We're so glad that you are a part of our family. Amen. We praise the Lord that the Lord is yet adding to the church. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to stand now as we prepare to receive our benediction. Amen. We praise the Lord for his continuing work in the life of the Salem Church. Let's bow our heads again. Lord, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you for that old rugged cross where Jesus died in our stead, and we thank you for the power of his resurrection. And even now, Lord, as we're preparing to leave from this place, we pray and believe that we never leave from your presence and that you would always keep your loving arms of protection around us. And now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glory with exceeding great joy, to the only wise God be glory, dominion, and power both now and forever. And the people of God said together, amen, amen, and amen. And we yet believe the best season of your life is just ahead.